big time win for us. A lot of adversity and beating a great team, not a bad night. Grayson was fantastic. Come on, well, he was not good. He was fantastic tonight. And I've played in you know 90 more games than all the four teammates that are out there with me. So it's true. Um, you know, I feel a little bit more comfortable and calm and confident out there. Grayson's a great shooter. And then he's a really outstanding scorer, but he needs to be a shooter and then a scorer in that, in that way. And that's what he did tonight. Trey with 10 assists, and he's done that. I mean, these first three games, he's been finding me. You know, I don't even have to call for the ball sometimes. He just knows where I am. And, um, and so for, like, for a shooter, you know, when you see a couple of easy ones go, go in, then the rest are easy. You keep calling plays for him. And I, I felt like I was coaching Reddick. Uh, you know, like he, you know, they work. They, thank you. Thank you. We can be a real good zone team because uh, he and Trayvon on, on top are big, long arms, and, and we, we have size. You have two kids, you know, Gary is first really big game, and Javin really is first really big game. And they played with four fouls for about nine, ten minutes. And they were, you know, they, they did a good job. Javin's rebound, you know, and then kicking it out to Gary is, is the biggest play. That sequence was the biggest play of, of, of the game. And Gary shot it. I think he was two for 13 at that time. And he just knocked it down. I, I'm proud of him for it. A lot of guys wouldn't shoot it, you know. And he did, and it, boom. They're tough. And uh, uh, they handled it. A big moment, you know. Not many teams get a chance to play in big moments. This, this doubleheader is a big moment, so you don't know if the moment or the other team will defeat you. And tonight, neither defeated them. So that, I, I really love that. I, I like these kids a lot. Hope we can keep growing and we stay healthy. All right, so we uh, we just heard from Coach K wrapping up the uh, the win. Uh, he, you know, he summed everything up very well, actually, right? I loved what he said at the end. He said, um, we could lose the game by two, like, there are two different ways. One, the moment might be too big, which it sort of looked like it might be. Early in the game, Gary Trent had back-to-back threes. The second one, it looked like he didn't want to take because he had clanked the first one. Like, yeah, he, he, he hesitated, and then he did what you said. Like, when you hesitate, then you typically uh, short-arm it. Or ends up going short. So the moment might have been too big. And minus Grayson, like, there was a, definitely some a, a shortage of, of scores. Yeah. You, the mo- moment could be too big or your opponent could be too great. And um, it ended up being, like, a pretty good pretty good night for us. What a great – it was a great game. Great game. Great Phenomenal. Night. And uh, I love – a certain somebody. Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal. Uh, yeah, one of the one of the best offensive games I've, I've seen a Duke player play ever. It's got to be the best since JJ at uh, Texas at the Meadowlands. Yeah, I don't have a list. That, that was also one versus two. Okay, I know JJ had uh, had a couple of games where he scored that big. I know he had one a forty-one point game. That was Texas. That was that game. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Kennard had a game against Wake Forest last year that was pretty sensational. Like, he went 10 for 10, then 10 for 10 from the free throw line, and hit the three to put us up with like just a few seconds left. Speaking on of, on the road in a must, in quote unquote, must win game because we were losing every game to teams that 
really had no business even competing with this NC State, then Wake Forest. So yeah. it looked like the season was just going to derail. But and we can't, this was a bigger stage. Yeah. Much bigger was, stage. What was interesting, well, before we talk about the game specifically, we can't mention best offensive games by a Duke player ever without paying homage to Christian Leitner, speaking of 10 for 10. Uh, Christian Leitner against Kentucky, not missing a shot the whole game. 10 for 10, 10 for 10. Yes. That game, is it the same? Yes. Yeah, pretty, that was talking about a big stage and big stakes. Uh, so, mm, okay. Yeah, Elite yeah. Eight, right? Elite Eight. Yeah. But I, I feel like during the dance, there are a lot of simultaneous games, all very important. But this game had a feel of like a Monday Night Football game where the entire country is only watching you. So like he knows the entire country is just watching this game, you know. Yeah, that was very clear walking through a Las Vegas casino last night. There's nothing else on. There's nothing else on. It was on yeah. every single TV. It was just right. no football on Tuesday nights. And there was only like five college basketball games. I mean, the Kansas-Kentucky game was on every TV as well. And, uh, and let me tell you, at the United Center, uh, they let Grayson have it. I mean, he's going to hear a lot of nastiness throughout the whole season. But... He he didn't like embrace it sort of you know how like JJ sort of embraced being the villain and sort of like played played villain to the crowd. I thought Grayson just like tried to stay above the fray and just play the game and was like very within himself. But I mean he got booed mercilessly throughout the whole whole game and like warm ups and intro- introductions. Like Duke was pretty outnumbered there. A ton of Michigan State, a lot of blue, a lot of Kentucky. Some Kansas. That makes sense. The Kentucky but, people yeah. don't don't like us very much. Right. Uh, Kansas people don't probably don't love us either. Uh, I mean, I would say Especially, most most people don't yeah. don't like Duke, but in in particular Grayson. I was sitting next to a, a guy, like somebody our age probably, with his eight year old son, seven year old son, and what he was calling Grayson, in earshot of his son was I mean I, I couldn't believe what he was saying like what was he saying it's like that guy's a dick you know <laughs> tripping people he's just an asshole <laughs> I couldn't believe it he was just talking to you about it or he was no, yelling he was, it out he, I, I didn't really <laughs> engage with him at all because he clearly seemed like a, a hater yeah. um, but you did know. you wear your Duke basketball junkies t-shirt to the game I nobody mailed me that coach 1k t-shirt no one even contacted me oh no so, no, I was in a nondescript black shirt, just in case we lost. You're wearing a nondescript black shirt right now. Is it the same shirt, Peter? Could be. I'm a little bit loopy. <laughs> uh, all right. So you're in the upper deck. You show up You show up early. You're watching warm-ups. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll get to the meat of the game in a few minutes. But what's the first, you know, did, did you watch warm-ups? Did you see them? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, any, any Peter Rose special observations, master of body language reading? Yes. All right, hit me the with team it. was going through uh, warm-ups, stretching, calisthenics. Teams going from baseline to half court, doing leg lifts, knee lifts, you know, just stretching out. Yes. There was one particular blue devil who was not lifting up his legs at all, just sort of cavalierly going through the motions. Wasn't fully stretching. Uh, yes. And it was probably... The T-Rex, Marvin Bagley. Yes, the retired number 35, Marvin Bagley. Uh, it was, I mean, it seemed like he was just sort of going through, like he wasn't like fully into it. Everyone else, you know, like obviously Jordan Goldwire, Alex O'Connell, these guys are just going to be gung-ho into the whole process. 
Bagley seemed a little bit like aloof, you know. So you feel like, like saving saving his body for for more. Did you feel like he wasn't part of the team? Like he's a little above the team? Is that what you're saying? That uh, that was your impression? No, I mean, I, I wouldn't, it was just something I noticed. You know, okay. everyone was doing it. Grayson was leading it. Um, Grayson Rankovich was leading it, and he was just a little bit. It was clear he wasn't really stretching. Okay, uh, he's mailing it in, not properly stretching. Yeah, and then uh, I noticed that he only practiced while shooting. Guess what he was practicing? Uh, half court shots. <laughs> I don't know the tone of he this. Was only, good. He was three, only he was only shooting shooting threes. And shooting threes. He was missing everyone. <laughs> it was actually unbelievable. Um, and uh, how many would you say you saw him take? Like twenty. Okay, he went over twenty. No, he made probably made three. Okay. Um, on the flip side. Guy who is making nearly all of them, Mr. Alex O'Connell. Yes, this is a guy I really want to root for. He actually got cheated of a few minutes. He was he was supposed to like check into a game with maybe three minutes left in the first half, but um, there was no dead ball, so he he got in with like fifty five seconds or a minute twenty left. But him warming up, he's just shooting threes, draining them, and he's just dancing around like. Listen to music. I mean, he's not listening to music, but he's just—he's so loose and carefree. He does seem loose it's, when he gets in the game. It was awesome. Well. It yeah. was awesome. Um, so just watching him warm up and stretch, you became more of an Alex O'Connell fan. I'm a pretty big Alex and, O'Connell fan, and I wanted to see him like chuck up a few shots in like a, in a big time game in a big time arena. He didn't with, take any with, shots. I don't think so. Yeah. No. I mean, he was only in there for like 50, 60 seconds in the last pregame. Um, actually. I thought he played more than 56 seconds, but okay. Yeah, maybe maybe two or three minutes. Um, I did read something on Bagley, um, I want to say, the night before. I read, and I don't know how they compiled these stats, but they said in his competitive basketball over the past year, he shot just over 20%, to like 20.1% from three, and shot 62% from the free throw line, which is not really that inconsistent with what like we've seen in the in this very short yeah, his free throw stroke so doesn't doesn't look yeah, good. Yeah, sixty two percent from the free throw line and twenty percent from three, and and yet that's all he's practicing pregame is uh, just chucking up the threes. That's what he needs to work on. It sounds like if he wants to add that to his game yeah. for Duke, maybe we don't really need him to to be the guy doing that. But yeah. you know, it's a bit of a devil's bargain, no pun intended. Right. We we want him to work on developing his game. We want guys to come to Duke like him. And feel like they're going to be able to stretch their games and not sort of be pigeonholed. Yeah. Right. Uh, although if he's out there, then Wendell Carter isn't. You know, and he has to be pigeonholed. But it mm. seems like you know we'll yeah. see. We'll see what happens. We didn't, right. He only played, you know, what like uh, ten minutes uh, in my, the game. But okay, other. This is my my absolute last uh, yeah. pregame uh, observation. Grayson Allen was warming up, doing all his. I mean. Everything looks beautiful for him, right? Intense. Shoot, shooting wise, no, not intense. Not intense. Like awesome. half halfway through, he started doing sky hooks from like just inside the free throw line, you know, and then left these sky hooks. <laughs> um, okay. And then towards the end of it, it, it was almost like a, a Steph Curry pregame warm up. You know how he takes those really long threes. Uh, Grayson took a few that were nearly half court uh, shots. I mean, obviously they're still. He's trying to make them, right? The shot that he sank uh, right before halftime was a shot he had practiced like three or four times pregame. 
Well, there you go. So, well, it makes sense that Grayson should be practicing, practicing just shot, in case. Yeah, yeah shot making type of stuff. Um, I know he's a bit of a gym rat, so uh, that's cool. It's it's hard to judge what guys should be doing during warm up and like how they should behave. Yeah. And while I appreciate your warm up observations, I completely discount them. Pretty much, <laughs> I do like the O'Connell being loose. I have noticed he's, he's loose on the court. He's just like singing, dancing around, swishing the occasional three. It's it's fantastic. He I'm was. Good. A, I'm he's also yeah. he's also there's like five or six managers. He's also there like after he swishes the three, he's there like calling out for the ball. But the managers are passing the ball to like Grayson and Trader Ball <laughs> and like um, Bagley. Bagley meanwhile clangs more threes, and O'Connell has to wait like a decent. Amount of time before the manager acknowledges that he's without a ball. I like the idea that you cannot dampen this guy's enthusiasm. Oh, he's right. He's great. And like, whatever happens this year, he's 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 gonna he's gonna always have that energy. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully that doesn't. And, and he is real thin. He is really thin. He's really thin. They announced him as six 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 five one seventy on the broadcast and one seventy. Talked about how thin he was yeah. and how narrow and uh, so. You know, there's definitely a lot of room for for weight room development with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we've seen some sparks. You know, in the blue-white game, he had made a bunch of threes. I think he hit the game-winning three. Yeah. In a, you know, exhibition game. Yeah. And, you know, it's pretty cool that he's gotten on the court in every game, even if he didn't play much in this one. An interesting note about him being sort of robbed by, you know, the, the ebb and flow of the game. Yeah. Not getting those last few minutes on the court and only kind of getting a minute or two. Um, okay. No other, uh, any other crowd observations or warm-up observations before we, before we get into the game itself? Uh, no. Um, pretty much everywhere I've gone where there's been, it's been a situation like this, a Final Four or Champions Classic, yeah. I feel like Duke is underrepresented. You know, like the, the Duke section has to be extra loud to make up for all yeah. the booing that comes out on Grayson, or just the cheering for their team. Well, I think we do better. We do better in the Northeast, on the East, the New York area. Yeah, New Jersey, New yeah. York, New Jersey, Philadelphia area. I think we do, we we travel a little better because we're not uh, up against ingrained local fan bases that are, you know, closer in Chicago. All those schools that we might play, or when we went to the Final Four in Indianapolis, the Wisconsin people they just drove down. Yeah, you know, do people have to fly in? Not only that. Duke or Kentucky, Wisconsin, Kansas, Michigan State. These are schools that graduate, you know, much bigger, three classes. three to ten times as many students every year as we do, or maybe it's three to six times. I'm right. not sure, but so yeah. So effectively, it, population. It, it feels like a yeah. road game, in particular for the players. Couldn't see that. Couldn't really tell that on TV. Okay. Yeah. So uh, didn't really come through. A lot of times in these big stadiums, it doesn't. Um, but uh, what, a, what a great game. What a great experience for the young guys. I mean, and I love that there was uh, there was all this adversity during the game. So it opens yeah. up. The yeah. game opens up, and Michigan State really, like, kind of comes out swinging. Right. And hits us in the face, blocks a bunch of shots. They, they, yeah, Carter started off really poorly. Carter looked... Every shot seemed to get blocked. He was pivoting the same way each time, and he would just get it, get it swatted. Um, they had a couple of really like that freshman Jaron Jackson is Jaron Jackson played, played monster. fantastic and and they're gonna big front shoot, line shooting with Ward, threes Ward Jackson and uh, you know, Bridges. Bridges they all yeah. block shots yeah 
Duval got a shot blocked a couple of times. Bagley got a shot blocked. I was like, uh-oh. A uh, bunch this... of people, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very early. And and on the offensive end for Michigan State, they just kept entry passing over the top. And then it would pretty much effectively be a dunk. I'm just talking like the first five, six minutes where it, it looked like every bucket for them was when they got behind us. Yeah, and my feeling at that point was like, oh, maybe these guys, you know, my fear was perhaps we're not as good as I thought. Perhaps these guys aren't quite ready. Even the big guys who I thought had super polished games, like Carter. Carter's like, game uh, definitely didn't seem that polished in this game. Especially, well, early like, in the game. He had to really grind it out. Early in the game, yeah. It was, it yeah. was, a, it was a struggle. Uh, but then it didn't take more than five minutes for our guys to start to dominate the boards on the offensive end. Bagley in particular. Because he, he left the game, obviously. We'll talk about the injury, but... You know, he picked up five offensive rebounds in, like, ten minutes. Yeah. And the ground he covers, you know, the, gra- the, the ground he covers on the defensive end, because he blocked a shot, he, like, you know, made a, a really effective run out in a three from the paint with, like, in no time, and just moved, like, out of his rebounding area, his ability to laterally move and contest rebounds on the offensive end, uh, like, on the other side of the lane, it's just, I thought, very impressive. Okay. Um, so he, you know, at the same time, his game still looked a little sloppy to me. Uh, you know, in his ISO post moves, um, you know, he turned it over. He fell down one time. He actually didn't turn it over. He saved it. He pushed it so out to one of his teammates. Yeah, and you know, he just looked a little sloppy to me. Uh, still, but yeah, sloppy slash raw slash unrefined. Yeah, you know, let, let the, slightly less I, I, skilled yeah. than some of the other guys, but. Even when he looks great, where he's dunking or doing like five or six feet um, bank ins or or like uh, floaters, mm-hmm. he's never going to come across as looking super polished. I don't think because his game is not polished right now. It's 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 raw. Yeah. It's athletic superiority. It's he's six eleven and he can jump and move. Yeah, he can really move. He's, his footwork, you know. Is impressive. Uh, so he had that one big putback dunk. That must have been a good moment in the building for the Duke fans. Yeah. Says so his first basket, and then um, we take a lead, right? Uh, Jordan Goldwire hits a three. Yeah. Bagley. That was that was a uh, good for him. You know, like yeah, he came in early. He got in the game. Yeah, I was early. I was only, wondering if he would play. He only played eleven minutes. Yeah. As it turned out. I That's think a lot. Partly because Duval was playing so well, and we needed. But he, but also, I feel like this is the first game where Coach K put them both in simultaneously. Yeah, they, they did play together. Yeah, and it was pretty. It was it was good. You know, I, it was all right. Well, okay. Well, both of them yeah, played I, I don't, tremendous I don't defense on on the guards. Yeah, on Michigan State's guards. I thought they, they okay. held them to. They made they contested all their shots pretty well. I thought. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was just very impressed. Goldwire hit that three. That he had the confidence. That he even took it. That he took it. That yeah. it, it looked confident stepping into it. I was wondering how, how much he would play or if he would play. And he got some serious minutes, and he got some serious minutes simultaneously with um, with Duvall, which I, I wouldn't expect. That's it's one of two things that I was sort of surprised by. I mean, the two of them playing together, mm-hmm. um, and then also the 2-3 zone the whole way. Yeah, the zone. Like, just like, uh, one, it's very uncharacteristic. It, 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 all, it always seems to be like a defensive measure from Coach K, like, we can't do man to man. We're getting burned too much. So as a resort, we're going to play two three zone. And this one is sort of seemed offensive. 
You it was know, a like, change of pace. It's usually a change of pace that we do. But he did it the whole game. But he did it the whole game was part of the, the strategy. He talked about yeah. the, in that clip. Talked about the how the team's strengths and length at the guard positions, uh, you know, make have it makes sense because of that. Uh, so he's put thought into it. Yeah. Maybe we're gonna see it half the year, most of the year. We don't know. But hey, I was fine with it. They looked good in that zone. They made life difficult. Yeah, they, they did. They did look good. Yeah. In the zone. I mean, they got beat sometimes, but you get yeah. beat in the zone behind it. Uh, but for the most part, you know, they really they had so many steals. They had like 11 steals. A lot of steals. 12 steals. Uh, so Bagley gets injured at 19-12. It looked like we were kind of taking control 19-12? of the game. They were winning oh, the, the score. The yeah, score was 19-12. 19-12. Yeah. We had like scored, I think, I think 10 straight points. Yeah, uh, there were there were a few moments where you thought, man, we might blow the blow this team out. Like, man, we might win by twenty or twenty five. Right before he gets hurt, it's he basically gets hurt in a play where him and Javin are both going after an offensive rebound. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I uh, think so. And Javin just raked, or it might, it might have been defensive. I don't know, but Javin just raked him across. Yeah. The eye. Uh, so we don't know too much about the injury. Oh, he, yeah. he didn't return. I was hoping he would come back in the second half. Thank he, returned, God it, he returned to the bench. Yeah, which is obviously which is a, good, a great sign. A really good sign. He didn't have an eye patch on. Yeah, he uh, he did sort of look like Rocky in one of those movies. He didn't look, you know, like super, the swollen shot. Didn't look as cute as he as he normally does. He looked like, you know, he'd been in a fight and he got beat up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but you know, thank goodness for his long term future, and hopefully the case is that he's not. It's not as too serious an injury. Uh, and we see him in action again this weekend, or worst case, he takes like a week off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they got to be careful with a guy that valuable. Um, but then the team has to trek on. Yeah. And at yeah. that point, obviously, some real leaders emerged, and some people had struggles. Yeah. You know. You know. Going back to that particular point, um, mm-hmm. Coach K actually spent that entire time out with Bagley and the doctor on the main floor. And we should also say that, um, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know Jeff Capel's dad um, died, I believe, Monday. Um, so Jeff Capel wasn't there. And so there's actually a shortage of coaches who are, who are coaching up the team during while Bagley's on the floor. You know, yeah, it's, and it's just we, Nate James and Chris, uh, I'm sorry, Nate James, Shire, and uh, Nolan Smith. And our condolences obviously go out to the Capel family. Of course. Uh, at the end of the podcast, I think we'll, we'll say we'll say a, a couple of things about uh, about Jeff Cable Jr. his father and uh, you know his legacy, um, but uh, we'll stick to the game for now. Sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, so know. it was it was Nate James trying to because the bigs were I can't remember if at that at that point in the game the bigs were struggling, but Wendell Carter was definitely have, having a tough game. Marquise Bolden was having a tough game. Uh, Deloria was actually playing relatively well, um, but I, I feel like he had like two or three fouls maybe. So it was it was a sort of an uncertain moment in the game because mm-hmm. Bagley's out and our bigs are struggling. And Michigan State came back right yeah. away. Yeah, and uh, they seemed to answer a lot yeah. in the game. Like they we could never really extend out to like a double digit lead. Yeah, I felt as if we we should. Even after Bagley got injured at certain points, I, I felt as if it's weird because Grayson shot so well, but everybody else shot so 
uncharacteristically poorly. Like, yeah. Gary Trent, we, we haven't seen Gary Trent miss a shot. Obviously, he's only played a couple games officially for us. Right. But he's a highly touted guy. And, <clears throat> you know, he goes 3 of 14 and was 0 for 6 from 3 before he hit that 3 down the stretch. Yeah. That Coach K mentioned. Right. Everyone's numbers were worse, um, like, halfway or three-quarters of the way through the game. Like, Duvall ended up scoring 17, but he was struggling very much with his shot also. Well, you know, what we said earlier, you know, the previous pod is dead on. I mean, Duvall's shot looks just broken. Yeah. Uh, you know, like from, from range. Yeah, like he'll only take the three if he has to and the shot clock's going down. But when he does... Michigan State was giving it to yeah, him. And right. he, he could have he he taken more. I, I'm, I'm thankful that he stopped. Right. But I hope that... I hope that it, maybe he's just running a little bad and it's not quite as ugly as it looks. But, you know, I've been watching a lot of Ben Simmons play in the NBA who just can't even attempt a three. And he just won't, certain won't guys, try it. But, yeah, he won't try it. The only threes he'll take is three-quarters court at the end of the, yeah. the regulation clock. But he was just... Duvall was so good later on in the game. Well, he was fantastic. Going downhill with steam, just... He can just take his guy or he slice through yeah. guys, slice through multiple defenders, <clears throat> and lay it up. Well, there's so many weapons on our team. And, like, everybody gets better because Duvall's such a good passer. Yeah. And he can play that role and mix it up with the effective driving. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm sure he, sure he can hit little short-range jumpers. Uh, and, you know, once in a while maybe he takes a three to keep defenses honest. But there was a little stretch there where he took, like, three or four – Long range shots in like five minutes, and I was like, I was just groaning yeah. a bit. It was like, all right, you know. Eh. I mean, some day, some he had to, but yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't like it was all. He really it didn't look like he wanted to take all those shots, but that was the way the game was flowing a little. It was available to him, and the other guys were recovered. We were struggling I mean, inside. This game, you know, you know Vrankovic is in the game. We're not going to like post him up. Yeah, but uh, you know. Uh, but, you know, I did want to say Duvall, Duvall owned, ended up owning the game a bit along with Grayson. The last six, seven, eight minutes. I mean, not just on the offensive end, but on the defensive, defensive end. Yeah, he had six steals. <laughs> he had six steals. And yeah. they, Ten they're, assists. They're live, they're, these live ball, tra- they led to transition opportunities and points. Yeah. And, uh, man, he can, he can really finish, you know, any kind of one-on-one situation. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah, he's very much like Derrick Rose or, you know, in that regard, in that specific regard. Like Ro- Rose in college at Memphis seemed to be able to take his opponent to the rack at will. Yeah, I mean, well, Michigan State's it's, a Especially really good... when, you're, when, when he's dribbling and he's already got some steam going. Definitely. Rick, Michigan State had some good help defense and they came over and made him kind of take some awkward finishes or blocked one or two. But yeah. But he also had some sick moves. Right. There was one where he just sort of stopped on a dime, crossed over, like split two guys and laid it up. It was it was pretty special. Yeah. Uh, and the, the announcers made the point of it. Uh, I don't know how it played in the building, but he uh, he looked like he was in control of the offense, and I loved it. Because we haven't had a point guard like this in a while that could do what he was doing, like really control the tempo and – you know, lead the lead the team in transition. I'm always like a little skittish about Grayson, and I was even about Luke in terms of yeah. their ability to finish at the rim, or you know. But you know, if there's no Duval, and I love that Grayson like immediately thanked him and mentioned him in the post game press conference, yeah, because 
for example, that that three quarter court pass from one side to the other, it hit you know Grayson caught it and shot it with perfect form and nailed it. Like that felt like a special moment to me. Um, some of the passes Deval made were just dead on. Yeah. Like difficult passes. You know, very impressive. Yeah. Good passer. He sets up his teammates. Um. I mean. And he played 37 minutes. He's, I mean, I, he's already got you know the confidence. Of the yeah, I, I feel like Grayson is going to play every minute of every <laughs> meaningful game. Um, I, I mean, do you think so? I think it was partly. I know that's a track record of Coach K, but I think it's kind of partly because Bagley went out of the game, and we needed leadership even more, and we needed he needed to be the focal point of the offense and, more, and, and he was shooting fire. And lights yeah, out. Yeah, um, I did want to say one other leadership thing for, about Grayson, um, which uh, I, my friend and I watched it, a replay of the game when we got back home um, immediately after the game. But mm-hmm. it didn't come across on TV. But Wendell had really been struggling. I think it was in the second half, in a dead ball situation. Uh, Grayson called him over, and Wendell, you know, sort of hung his head down, and he was frustrated. He was sort of complaining with the ref, and. Grayson just like grabbed him by the hand and brought him into the huddle, you know, and he's just trying to be the coach on the floor for everyone because it's honestly, it's just really him. Mm-hmm. It's just maybe jabbing when he's in there. Antonio's probably not going to play too much during, you know, meaningful games, but it's it's Grayson. That's, I mean, he just can't get into foul trouble. He can't get injured. He's, he's really the only perimeter, him and maybe Trent. But Trent's also a little bit of a question mark. Question mark in what respect? Outside shooting. This our team lacks outside shooting. Okay. You know, it's just Grayson as an outside shooter. Well, I think we've seen Wendell Garner no, no, his stop, chance. But, stop. Uh, stop yeah. it. You know, he's. I'd actually like you know. I I know he can he can space the floor. He has he's hitting some shots when he gets the opportunity. Yeah. Well. Uh, you talked about yeah, all these re- right. report scouting reports said leave him wide open at, on three point line. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean Grayson absolutely stepped up. We don't win the game without him. You know we needed a shot maker and he was the shot maker. I think what's interesting to note is all that like hemming and hawing last year is like is Grayson healthy enough? Like how much is this really limiting his foot injury, his ankle injury? Guess what? I think it's pretty clear he wasn't healthy last year, and he played through stuff. The, his, just his elevation on his jump shot looks different. He looks like a different athlete this yeah, year. Yeah, well, doesn't he? I mean, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. The UNLV game, he looked great. I yeah, remember. the UNLV, but but right. even in this game, he wasn't really flying around. He wasn't hitting the deck. He was so controlled, so poised when he's hitting even the threes. Everything about him, his footwork, his posture. He's just really well balanced. Um, I mean, last year, in addition to the injuries, I would say Luke Kennard and Jason Tatum are very ball dominant. You know, like all three of those guys, they're most effective when they have the ball in their hands. So maybe it was just the whole sharing the ball and is it well, my that, team? Is it your team? Who's the alpha here? Is it well? That was definitely Luke? part of it. They all needed the ball in their hands to create, seemingly. Yeah, and they all were kind of the same type of perimeter-oriented player. Obviously, Tatum could go down in the post. There's a, some mixing it up, but but yeah, yeah I mean, but, I mean I, it's clear a lot of balance. It's clear now year. that he is healthy. He's healthy of mind. He's healthy of body. He's healthy of leadership. 
Um, he's embracing, you know, did you read that Players Trip piece where he wrote about why he came back to Duke and how he's just sort of embracing all the challenges he's gone through? Yeah, I thought it was great. I really love how he immediately shouted out Quinn Cook. The, the reporter after the game, I don't know if you saw this, right after the game they did a you know on-court interview. Grayson, you scored yeah. 37, career high. How did you do it, or how did how did how did you guys pull this game off? That kind of thing. He he, he immediately and, and she says uh, something about Quinn Cook. Yeah, and I think maybe he told her to ask that, or something prompted. The uh, question. Maybe she had read the article because I think okay. the article was maybe the day before. November All right, that 14th. makes sense. And he's like, "Absolutely, I want to be. I want to be just like Quinn. Yeah, I want to be just like Quinn was for us." And he was a part of a group of freshmen, so he relates to the freshmen, and it's just it's a beautiful thing to hear him shout out Quinn and recognize, even though he's one of those talented freshmen, the the value of the senior role that Quinn Cook played on that team. This is and maybe we don't talk about it enough. When we talk about that fourteen championship, yeah, this is that this is that scary scary aspect that we talked about. You know, we talked about how Mason Plumley called up Emil Jefferson and said, "Hey, let's go work on our free throws at seven a.m. or six thirty a.m." And yeah. Emil's like, "No, no, I'm good, I'm good." And then he finally starts saying yes, and then that that pedigree is passed on generation to generation. In um, the player's trip piece, Grayson's like. I was just a shy freshman, was, wasn't even getting any playing time. I was sort of hanging my head, and Quinn was always just always trying to engage me. You know, yo, Grayson, what's up? How's it going today? And I mean, I think Grayson might be giving Quinn a little bit too much credit, but he's saying Quinn knew that he had to keep me engaged to stay focused, to be involved in the team. Um, so that was passed on pedigree-wise from, like, you know, Nolan Smith taught that to Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook taught that to Grayson Allen. When Grayson's gone, who's going to teach that to the next crop of who's going to who's going to teach R.J. Barrett? Who's going to teach uh, you know Trey Trey uh, Jones? Like that's that's a little bit of a scary thought again because well, I mean it's going to be Javon Delorier. Well, we talked about know. it being John Shire. We talked about it being the coaches, coach, the young coaches, sure. but yeah, but yeah, Delorier. It's going to be one of these freshmen might not go. Goldwire. It's going to be O'Connell. And yeah, some of these guys need to get the credibility of playing time in order to have that impact. Yeah. Uh, hey, it, it, it could even or, it could even be our young NBA players. It could be the network, the brotherhood. These guys are young enough; they can still relate. I'm I'm, I'm noticing a lot of tweeting, uh, you know, from yeah. the old guard. I see, yeah, I see that about the young guard. Uh, I love the JJ Redick tweet for about Grayson. Uh, just basically. Was it just a shout out, or yeah, was it something just a, before the just game? Just a shout out, Grace. It was like Grace and Allen, like bulging eyeballs. Yeah, you know, just just great to see JJ Redick gives a crap about the team. Still is watching. That must make these guys feel like they're part of something. Right. That you know that that torch passing a bit. You know? Right. But we're still not going to have that junior, or senior, or even sophomore like stud. Not stud, but significant contributor who is now on the court who's a leader yeah like if you look at Kentucky's team now it's five freshmen right and it's coach Cal just like being exasperated all the time because they're so young you know they're like 18 and 19 and they're there's literally no one on the court who has played for him before 
And man, are they that, playing some ugly basketball? I mean that, but <laughs> but I mean, yeah. we we can forecast for but, us. It's gonna be it's gonna be like that. But guess what? If Grayson wasn't on the court, these guys would still be playing pretty good basketball because they're just better than Grayson's not on the court. Right. We lose this game. We lose this game, but like in general, uh, okay. I acknowledge his yeah. the the importance of his role. It's not the only thing that matters, right? And like, it just isn't always the case that we had even back in the day that we always had the, the seniors who said the right things. You know, Josh McRoberts was like our upperclassman at some point, and I don't know if that guy was telling people the right thing, the right kind of work ethic. I mean, who knows about, you know, it's not like every guy, every guy that, that graduates being a senior on the team is a great leader, despite Coach K's and the coaching staff's influence. Like, there's a long history of Duke players that fail to kind of grab that, grab that role. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some really good examples lately, and Hopefully, hopefully it'll just sort of continue to happen uh, in an organic way. You can't force it, but what's great is Grayson seems to really, really embrace that that really, leadership role. Yeah, it's and even really even wanted. even Javin Delorier, I feel like he's really sort of stepping into a, a little bit of a vacuum that's out there, both in terms of just talking on defense. He's, I mean, he had a few really critical blocks. He started the steals. second half. Okay. Yeah, place. yeah, yeah. He plays 24 minutes. He lights up all the other kind of stats on everything but points. Yeah. Two blocks, three steals, four assists, seven rebounds, including three offensive rebounds, one eye poke. Besides, the, <laughs> but like he he, ta- he, he yeah. contributes and he and he contributed. And he takes nothing off the table. Yeah, he did. Well, yeah, he contributed, and a lot of the contributions came after he had picked up the third foul. So he was also he had to be wary of that. There was another thing I was very happy about Grayson is he he only had one foul. So, I mean, he played without fouling. I mean... He contested some shots, but yeah. he's not... I wanted to ask you, like, how lucky you felt that we won. You know, like, Grayson is not going to shoot like this every game. Yeah, but Gary just, Trent he, is not going to shoot like that every game either. So, it balances out to some extent. And those are our two shooters. That's it. Uh, well, they were yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, they still combined for eight for eighteen, which is pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, we were joking around crazy about the earlier games. You know, you're calling them Lilliputians, but like our bigs just tower over smaller teams. You know, and Marquise Bolden looks like Shaq, and Wendell Carter looks like Anthony Davis. But against Michigan State, like, well, they they looked. Uh, I think Bagley would have had fifteen rebounds if he didn't get hurt. Right. And he would have put up a big game, and I think he would have ended up probably doing pretty well against probably. their bigs. And probably, and, we still haven't seen him. You're banging on Wendell because he didn't he, he didn't play well for part of the game, but yeah. I actually think he was a pretty big difference maker in the second half. He scrapped and battled like the last eight minutes of the game, finished with respectable numbers. Coach K tr- liked the way he was playing so much that he just left him in there for the. I want to say from like. Halfway through the first half to about halfway through the second half, and Coach had, K was really just sort of trying different combinations of bigs out there because well, he was in foul trouble early. Yeah, picked up a couple fouls pretty. Mm, I want to say early he was pulled because I thought he was he had foul trouble also, but he was pulled because he was playing poorly. He actually okay. didn't have foul trouble. What was interesting is that Bolden didn't didn't play it. I mean, you think if Bagley's out with the injury, Bolden steps in and gets a decent number of minutes. Guy only plays nine minutes. 0 for 2 from the field, 4 rebounds. How did it look on defense to you? 
just he seems raw. He seems raw. You know, he maybe he's still you know struggling with the with the strep strep throat mm. illness. Maybe, right, maybe maybe he's only 80 percent you know healthy. But I've I've always thought he's he's just raw. He's still growing into his body. He's still a little awkward. He did not step up, but he also was not given a huge opportunity. Nine minutes isn't very much. Uh, surprised he didn't play more in the second half, uh, just because we needed a big body out there. Yeah. Uh, he went a little smaller with the Delorier. No, no, Delorier doesn't make you smaller. Oh, he's I a mean, little smaller. Than all three player. of those guys are six ten. Okay. Yeah. All right, wrong about that. But but um, I mean, he, well, Brankovic is in there. Uh, Rankovich says only played five minutes. It felt like he played longer because he got like kind yeah. of abused on the defensive end. Like not abused, but yeah. he he's like was very slow to react on help. There was one time where he was yeah. in the lane, like right in the middle of the lane, like bodying up a guy who was like maybe like trying to get post position. Yeah, he gave up a bucket and, in and, that in that spot. And there was a, a guy who penetrated from the, the corner three yeah. all the way to the basket. It was like Rankovich watched him the whole time and tried to react, but he's just obviously not as talented as our other big men and right. isn't that quick. Um, so I kind of, you know, Kay pulled him after like that play and won immediately after that. He definitely reminded me of Matty Christensen he during the game. reminds me so much of Matty yeah. Christensen. It's just like tall, sort of stiff. I said that usually, to my dad. Usually solid, but like he's just not as talented. Has the, all the spirit, all the effort. <laughs> yeah, because he he spazzed out a few times on the court, like in a good way. You know, something good had happened, and he was he was just really cheering on his teammates. Matt Christensen was playing like 20, 25 minutes a game for his senior year, maybe two years. No, we don't need. Luckily, we don't so. need Rankovich to play that much. But you know, I'm rooting for him, and he, you know, he scored a bucket. And he, yeah. you know, he was okay for for a couple minutes, and then they maybe started to, uh, you know, the wards started to be exposed. Um, okay. Uh, hats off to Grayson Allen. Pretty pretty excited for him. Uh, we talked about last year. Hopefully, he was gonna come back from it and have this redemptive arc. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden. I thought it's just I yeah, thought, on the national in the national spotlight in a positive way. Yeah. So it's really nice. I thought back to two years ago, I mean two years ago he's putting up 30, 30 points a game. Not like it was nothing, but very, very regularly. He was hitting buzzer beaters. Remember that shot at home against Virginia where his left foot actually did hit the ground before he released it, but he's hitting game winners his sophomore year. I mean sophomore year he opened up Hopefully, kind of like this. Not yeah. he didn't have a game exactly like this against no. this kind of opponent yeah. on a national stage. His but sophomore year in this particular this, moment, he he got, he, he got by destroyed by Kentucky. Right. Yeah. But besides that game, he he was running pretty hot. Yeah. Um. It it does feel like he's grown. You know, he's grown yeah. in all the different ways. It's it's great to see. Yeah. Uh, when Bagley comes back, we're not going to need Grayson to be this hot every night and guess what he won't be this hot every night he's you know he's yeah. gonna have he's bad sh- streaks too he's shooting something uh, unbelievable yeah he's uh he's not just not missing and hey i'd love for him to shoot 70 percent from three-point range this year but uh he's probably gonna regress to the mean uh, right and gary trent's gonna be more like the guy we saw against the lilliputians so one interesting i wanted to give you some credit you you mentioned gary trent kind of Playing like a little slow, 
on offense with the ball. Not not like, play slow. Methodical. No, like, no, no, no. Just just his his, his uh, shot. He winds up sort of from the side, and it's not a quick release. It's, it definitely requires some time for him to catch the ball, get it in position, and then release. It's not... Right. That's, I, all I, that's all I was saying. Well, I thought... Requires a little time. It's a slow shot. Yeah, I mean, even in, like, uh, even in the mid-range or driving, it's, like, somewhat of a deliberate, you know, pace to it. It's yeah. not like, you know... He's not, he doesn't look like Duvall out there, like, right. rapid. <laughs> Rapido. So, and I thought I thought in the first half it really looked like Michigan State was playing at a faster pace than, like they were just reacting on defense to his moves and his shots, making it a little tough for him. Right. Um, so I thought that was a good observation last week when you when you mentioned that, and I was like, oh yeah, maybe Peter was a little bit right. Here. I mean, it you could know? have just been. But he also was uh, shooting poorly. Yeah, a day where the the, the ball does, just doesn't go down. I mean, I, I did want to say like big. Big ups for him. Like, he had been struggling all day. I want to say he was probably 2 of 13 at the time and 0 for 6 from 3. And in a tie game, I want to say 75 to 75, DeLore gets the offensive rebound, kicks it out to him, and without hesitation, he knocks it down. I mean, I think that speaks very loudly to his willingness to take that shot in that kind of a moment. I mean... Well, I think he's gonna, I think he's a big-time player. Yeah. You know, even though he had a bad game, I think he's a big-time player. He's projected as a lottery pick for a reason. Uh, he played pretty pretty well on defense. Played pretty stout defense the whole game. He stayed present despite the, the poor shooting. So, good for him. Uh, overall, like, you feel good about the lessons you learn when you win because you didn't really have to pay that big a price for it. Last year, we just kept losing these kinds of games. And... It was like, okay, well, we're going to learn from it. And then, you know, we did improve last year, but this year's team really seems like uh, we're going to be hard to beat. Uh, this was like a very good Michigan State team. They had two two lottery picks, Bridges and Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson looked Ward is an incredibly efficient, big body inside. Their guards are experienced. Yeah. They have young talent coming off the bench. Yeah. Uh, and... We beat them without our best player, or most talented player. Without our most talented player, if we're Grayson, maybe our best player. Fair enough. I mean, uh, Grayson, this game seemed like. I mean, how many how many guys are there in college basketball who's better than Grayson? Nobody's going to play a game better than this in college basketball this year. Much better, that's for sure. Uh, so yeah, Bagley's going to be a dominant force. We didn't have that dominant force. We didn't. We still won the game, and I felt like we should win the game. I didn't feel like it was a fluke, even though yeah, Grayson was. It, it did seem shot, like shot you know around. we sort of controlled the yeah. flow of the game. I, I hear you. So how do you uh, think this affects our projections? So we talked about how many losses we might uh, put the over under at. I read I read some article we're going to be favored in every game um, going on, with the exception of UNC on the road and possibly Miami on the road. Um, possibly Louisville if they play well. <coughs> I mean, but being with a first. Yeah. Being with a first-year coach has to hurt, okay. hurt them a lot. I mean, I I think this this team is fantastic. So, uh, two points of concern is I've already spotted shooting. Yeah, the outside shooting. If we get into like, I actually want to see how this team would, would respond if we went through a dry spell, mm-hmm. a scoring drought. Like, what would happen <coughs> if that were to happen? I feel like our options are a little bit more limited on this team than previous teams. Because Coach K typically has 
so many scores, so many shooters. This team, for some reason, it doesn't, but it's got the height. And the other main thing that I want to um, discuss, or at least mention, is I checked on our, our old friend Ken Palm, the sabermetrics guy. Yes. As usual, Duke is number one in the country in, in offense, but defense is like 35th, 30th, 35th, 40th. So far? Yeah. I mean, it's only three games in, but um, it's not like we're holding these opponents to 50, 60 points. Right. Well, I mean, that's interesting. Possessions obviously go up because we score a lot. We get offensive rebounds. So there's going to be – the scoring is going to be inflated because we tend to score a lot of points. But But we're also – we were up so big in the first two games that we didn't – like gave up a lot of second half uh, non-competitive points. I felt that way. I hear you, but that's that's something yeah. to um, to keep in mind. I guess. And Michigan State is pretty outstanding. I mean, no. early on when they were blocking those shots, and then their big guys hit threes. <laughs> you know, when Jackson uh, yeah stepped out and made it, a few threes, and it, and, and it, it didn't and look it, terrible. No, no, no it, it looked pretty good. You know no, that that guy's supposed good. to be. Um, I I also read that Jaron Jackson, if his uh, three point shot keeps falling, he could go all the way up to like a top five pick I heard someone say he could be the best prospect in the entire draft and I looked on NBADraft.net I hadn't done that at all yeah. have you looked at all uh, not anytime recently but I would say good time to, to, to bring it up just because we played Michigan State we're not going to play another team this year with as many people projected in the lottery Yeah. Uh, so their mock draft for 2018 just as a point of reference they actually have uh, Bagley third um, they got Michael Porter first and DeAndre Ayton second, which I think is a little... Ayton, I don't think, you know, is uh, universally considered to be ahead of Bagley and Doncic. But uh, Luka Doncic fourth, Bamba fifth, Jaron Jackson sixth. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Miles Bridges ninth, so they sixth and ninth. And our guys, so Bagley third, Gary Trent 14th. Uh, Wendell Carter, 17, Trayvon Duvall, 18, and Grayson Allen, 24th. Oh, he's, uh, I think they he's, moved, he them moved them up, after, up. This, yeah. after this last game. So, so we, that's we could have five guys at. in the first round, all our starters? Yeah, if they all go. and uh, Which they will do. Which most most likely, yeah. We just don't know. Like we thought Bolden would go last year and he didn't. Uh, I mean, I hope they all have great seasons, and they, you know, obviously the the way they're recruiting for next year, other people think they're going. So yeah. it's fair to assume, but you know, you can never really completely assume. Uh, I think, you know, it's uh, the projections look pretty pretty decent. Uh, you don't have to put too much stock into it at this this point in time, though. Yeah, so I thought it was interesting to to take a look. Uh, There's going to be a lot of movement throughout the year for sure. Absolutely. I've, I've heard really good things about Aiden also. Yeah, no, he's a huge prospect. Uh, I, just, I usually see Luka Doncic, you know, like in the top three along with Bagley and uh, Porter. Yeah. Uh, and looking forward to seeing those guys play. Porter, I've, I've people are raving about so, for obvious reasons. Yeah, a couple, couple questions for you. So one, uh, what's your current over-under on the, uh, the, win, the loss total for the, for the year? Um, I would say like three or four. Okay, yeah, I think I think that's I think that's reasonable. That's someone, uh, one of our buddies uh, from from Duke from college. He uh, he said, "What do you think now?" I'm thinking like two. 
you know. That was your response, or that, that was, was his, his that response? That was him, okay. yeah, because he had heard what I said. I, I think I had yeah, started at people, around six. I, Last time I might have said, what did I say, like four uh, and a half, five? Yeah, four, yeah. four and a half. I, I'd be surprised at this point <coughs> if, if this team, with its length and athleticism, uh, despite, you know, a little more shallowness on the shooting side of things, we need O'Connell in there jacking up threes. <laughs> I'll be surprised. Making if, it rain. I'll be surprised if we lose more than more than six games. And a little surprised even if we lose six. Okay. So I, I think I think the range really the likely range is two to five. And um, <coughs> you know, I, I'm not we're not gonna talk about possibly undefeated or even one loss. Well Wendell uh, Carter seems we, to talk about it every time he's interviewed. <laughs> good for him. Uh, yeah, there's a chance. There's definitely a chance. What percent chance do you think this team has zero or one losses at the end of the year? Zero losses zero has Zero or be, one. Zero or one. Zero or one? Yeah. W- what's the likelihood? Yeah. Less than 1%. Uh, I think it's higher than that. I think it's higher than that. I would put it... I would put it at like maybe 8%, maybe 10 I think this team has a real chance to be pretty you're, special. You're disappointing me with your the, <laughs> all know. the all the people who think oh this team's going to go undefeated. They say that every year about some well, team. I'm saying that, zero or one. Yeah, that 2011 UNC team, the 2014-15 uh, Kentucky team, the 2012 Kentucky. Everyone says oh we're going to go undefeated, but those people who always say that are mathematically illiterate. Right, but Kentucky but, only lost one game. They would qualify for this. But one. they almost lost a bunch of games. They really did on the road to you know solid SEC like. But they only lost one, and right. they weren't going to lose more than three games. But they also season. played in the SEC. We played in the ACC. Fair enough. Fair enough. I I think probably there's a slightly less than ten percent chance of it happening. I also think there's less than ten percent chance we lose seven or more games. Uh, so the yep. range is is like how what are the odds that it, it lands exactly on two, three, four, five, or six? Those are all more more probable than zero plus one, but I'm not sure. I think yeah. less than one percent is a little short sighted because you know the the range is either this this team has a chance to be historically good. It's definitely less than one percent. Yeah. However, on the bright side, yeah, um, this team can only get better. So young. Yeah, it's, dealing uh, it's with exciting. Chem- it's dealing really with chemistry. Exciting. Coach K is going to figure out how to, how to best use all these big bodies that he's got. I mean, it can it can only get better. Yeah, I feel like. However, odds of going undefeated or only losing one game, it's pretty much nil. Yeah, I just don't think it's nil. I think I think it's there. There's a there's a there's a chance, and it's not such a crazy long shot. But well, I think po- most I'm, most I'm, I'm with that. you. I'm Mo- pulling for that. Yeah, most likely, you know, the best case scenarios are. The most likely best case scenarios are two, three win, two, three losses, and on the road, you know, maybe one in the tournament, ACC tournament, hopefully, not, I, like, not I, like last I, year. I think four or five is more realistic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at this point, who I'd cares? Put, I'd put the actual over under at maybe three and a half at this point. It's a but good line. Three I mean, and a half, four. If, yeah. if the line were three and a half, I would probably say over. Yeah. If the line were five, I would definitely bet under. If the line were, yeah. if were five, four and a half, I'd bet I'd under. Take the under, but not feel amazing about it. But three and a half would probably be tough. Yeah, maybe it's probably lines by four. Okay. Uh, 
one other thing before we get to uh, Jeff Capel's uh, unfortunate uh, passing. Uh, did you did you stay for the Kansas Kentucky game? Uh, up until halftime. Did you see Kevin Knox play? Kevin Knox seemed great. Kevin Knox is the one guy we missed out on in the recruit. The only guy we've missed yeah. in the last two years. In Feels the like in the last. Well, that's not true. Texas Mo Bamba, Bamba. And, yeah, right. and their point guard Matt Coleman. Hopefully, we'll we'll face them. So you thought Knox looked really good in person? Well, I mean, I say that because you know he knocked down some threes. Yeah. But if he had missed him, I'd probably say you know, who really knows? If we've gotten Knox. Would we have lost? Would we have not had Bagley? Um, like, could we have had Knox on this team also? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's just, it's, I mean, it's we pretty, could use the shooting. It's pretty crazy. We could use the shooting. <laughs> if we had Knox on this team, that, it's, a certain somebody would transfer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. And we wouldn't have had uh, Jordan Tucker. Poor guy. Tucker was the was a substitute for Knox not signing with us. Yeah, hopefully Tucker's okay with not playing this year. It doesn't look like he's uh, really in the running for minutes. Maybe that changes yeah. over the winter. But but his body language seemed seemed fine. Okay, you know? good, 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 good. You know, I'm sure he's having fun. Uh, the practices must be intense. Insane, yeah. So I, I'm sure the guys the guys on the bench benefit from having great players on the team. Uh, a deep team that can really practice. Last year we didn't have that. Last year it was like the disabled yeah, list. like two or three guys would go long stretches of time without practicing. Yeah. And you know that affected Grace's game too, so uh, that was just a phenomenal game. I feel great about uh, the season coming I, up. I feel very excited about this team. Okay, excited to see how it how it goes, how it develops. Um, high hopes for the team, really high hopes. Uh, we got a game against the Southern Jaguars on uh, Friday in Cameron Indoor. Uh, and then so, Furman, and then we got Furman uh, three days later on the Monday. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to do a podcast uh, about those games. If, if, if something surprising happens, perhaps. But it, you know, I guess uh, we got these Thanksgiving tournament games coming up that are going to be much, much more interesting. Yeah. So depending on the schedule, we're not sure what we're going to do. But we definitely wanted to do one about the Michigan State game tonight. I'm glad we were able to uh, get together. Yeah. Um, we want to definitely send out our condolences to the Cable family once again. Uh, if anyone hasn't read the uh, the article that uh, Jeff, you know, the, the younger Jeff Cable, Jeff uh, Cable the third, our Jeff Cable, Jeff yeah. Cable the his, third, his dad is I think Jeff Cable Jr. Yes, uh, he he put together a piece maybe yeah, nine I can't months the, ago. Yeah, the name the, was like the a coaching tree or a coaching lineage or something like that. It's on the Players Tribune. It's been re- retweeted or reposted a lot. It's definitely, definitely worth a read. I remember getting yeah. um, a bit the tree. A bit, it's called the tree. The tree. A little misty eyed reading. Uh, yeah, a little misty eyed uh, when um, Jeff Capel Jr. was talking to Jason Capel about his future. I just thought it was a real, real we, solid, solid moment. Yeah, we mentioned this last year. We talked about it a little bit, but yeah. for those of you who aren't listening, uh, basically the story was that. You know, Jason Capel was going to go to Old Dominion for his dad or something like well, that. Well, it was up in the air. It was up in the air. Yeah. And, you know, it would have been very beneficial uh, to Jeff Capel Jr. if he had come. He would have been the best player to have come through Old Dominion. Yeah. Uh, all respect to Petey Sessoms. But 
no but idea who that is. Pete Sassum scored like 30 against Villanova in a double overtime first round NCAA game with like a, a really good Kerry Kittles led Villanova team. Uh, that was probably the biggest win in Jeff Cable Jr.'s uh, coaching career, you know, if those okay. Cinderella students are a 14 seed, I think, against a three. Yeah. Uh, and I was Harper. I love Vill- that Villanova team. I'm from Philadelphia, so I was rooting for Villanova. They're my second team to Duke, you know. Although lately I haven't been able to watch as many of their games because I have so many kids. Anyhow, uh, he didn't, he advised his son not to come, right? Or. Yeah, well, just a little bit more backdrop on it. Um, Jeff Capel, who came to Duke yeah. one year before us, was a top 25 recruit. Jason Capel, his younger brother, who was in the class of 97, was a top five recruit. So to put that into today's world, that would be like if he were Mo Bamba or Michael Porter or Marvin Bagley. Um, he was just one of one of the top five recruits. Stuck. And and they, they finished pack, packing up all of Jeff's stuff because he was... Um, he was graduating from Duke. He sits down. It's like, Jason, we need to talk about your recruitment. You know, you could go to, you uh, could come to Old Dominion. I would love to coach you. No coach wouldn't want to coach you. But, you know, your heart's at UNC. Um, that's where you've always wanted to go. That's where you need to be. And, like, he just empowered him to, to go there. And um, and I don't think either Jeff or j knew what their dad was going to say to him. And so it was just a... Pretty powerful moment. I, I feel like when Jason got there, they went to one quick Final Four, and then it was like three of the worst years UNC has ever had. Yeah. Hey, it was a well-written piece. Uh, you know, Jeff Cable III, our Jeff, uh, obviously uh, is going to carry on his legacy, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure the entire Duke Nation is proud to have that as part of the Duke legacy sort of by... Uh, you know, by transference from uh, from his son, and uh, and when we interviewed Ricky Price, uh, we wondered why some of the guys that you know he 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 talked about how good a coach Jeff Capel is, how good a recruiter he is, how good a guy he is, what he means to the program, and none of that would be the case if if his dad wasn't such a great teacher and coach and and father. So uh, uh, that's it. We'll go out on that note, I guess. Yeah. All right. Our thoughts go out to them. Yes. Okay, well, we'll see you guys next time. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, real quick, uh, if you want to send us an email at uh, dukebasketballjunkies at gmail.com, we'd love to hear from you. Any feedback, thoughts, or comments, uh, if you want to leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher, we'd appreciate that, too. Please subscribe or let uh, fellow Duke fans know that we exist. Um, we're really happy with the following we're developing. It's really great to see the numbers. Uh, and hopefully, you know, we're doing an okay job uh, talking about, you know, the thing we love, Duke basketball, right? Yes. And San Antonio, that's where the Final Four is this 2018. I'm feeling it.